Dylan and Joe. Today, we're going to go over the dangerous lifestyle of Sam Bellamy and the Widow ship with our special guest, Dom Morrow. Dom? Hey, what's going on? Thanks, Dom. So we want to thank you guys as always for coming back to the pod. We're excited to be here uh, today. We are clearly all got the memo, including Joe. That we're talking about pirates. The army, mateys. We all dressed as pirates today, and none of us told each other we were doing it. So it's actually pretty great. We all dressed up like this. I love it. Getting in the pirate spirit. That's why we all keep coming back. And that's why we have a friend, Dom, here. Had hours and hours of exchanging Instagrams and me overburdening everyone with TikTok. Constantly. Daily. Daily. Daily, nightly, ever so rightly funny crazy things and we have decided that dom is the perfect fit to have us on today talk about pirates because he's got his own unique history with pirates himself dating back to high school and before as well as some first-hand accounts of seeing some artifacts yeah thanks for coming on today dom really appreciate you jumping oh, yeah, no on the problem. glad to throw the information i know around not to mention the uh nope can't get the tattoo thing out there smoothly yet it'll come <laughs> yeah. though teaser for the fans out there Tom, you think at one point today you can you can get that tattoo out for us or what, what, oh, what's your plan oh it'll be that bad boy yeah that's gonna it'll be, be the, uh, the thumbnail on youtube just the, the tattoo perfect a couple more grogs and the tattoos always show up on the chest <laughs> that's what they say <laughs> get three grogs in me the shirt's coming off blouse right off showing off the ink all right so what we're talking about today is like dylan said it's the ship the widow and if you're willing to hunt for treasure and brave the Bourne Bridge, and if you go through the Bourne Bridge at about Friday afternoon, you know that traffic is enough to delve deep 40 fathoms into Davy Jones' locker and the most famous treasure in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. That's us today. The Widow and Sam Bellamy, the captain of the ship. Black Sam Bellamy, as he was sometimes known. The crazy thing that I like to look, <clears throat> that I love about Black Sam Bellamy is he doesn't sound like he's your typical pirate. When I, and also my favorite thing about him before we move on is his love for diversity. This is at a time when piracy was um, fucked up like everything else is, but also the world and the shipping trade at the time was a complete fucking nightmare. We'll get into that. But Sam yeah. Bellamy is uh, he's a hero for the most part. And his crew, the first thing they do is smash the captain's quarters up because they didn't believe in any sort of hierarchical. Hierarchical? How do you say that? That's a tough one. Hierarchical. 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 They didn't believe in a hierarchy amongst the the crew. That's how we're going to say it. They didn't believe in a hierarchy. Uh, It was like one of the first, they were kind of playing with democracy before anyone else was. Yeah. Yeah. That's the perfect way to say it. Um, everybody was equals. They all did their thing and, and they, they just had relentless trust for this guy, which is pretty cool. And he was also pretty tidy. Um, more, 
along the lines of uh, Joe up top there. I mean, he's looking pretty sharp. He doesn't have any dirt on him. No, no black eyes, nothing like that. Swab the decks and swab your pits. We will not appreciate any unclean pirates on my ship. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So that leads us into what we all think when we think of pirates. And that is the golden age of piracy. Believe it or not, it's a thing. Uh, from the, like the 1650s, the 1730s. Yeah, just got more information about the golden age of piracy. I got you right here. Quick little synopsis on you there. So when we're thinking of pirates, like Dylan said, we're thinking of a certain time period, like you said, between 1650s and 1730s. That's basically the time where you hear about most, most famous pirate stories, buccaneers, privateers, you know, swashbuckling, all that good stuff. Basically, global trade was opening up for the first time in earnest. So the new world of the Americas had all these new resources and trade had started with Africa not that long before. So for the first time in the world, you have ships going across the ocean constantly and all these vast amounts of wealth, more than the world had ever known, is sailing on one ship at a time. And that invites in the pirates that we know about today because when there's money to be had, there's robbers to be stealing it. Yeah, and for those, for those robbers, uh, you know, not necessarily our buddy Sam here, but a majority of them came from poor urban areas in search of a way to make money and, and, and just, just have a good living and have some fun, really, some boost, right? It was really like a last resort for a lot of people. It was, you know, steal or die in a ditch. Yeah, really. It wasn't as much as um, taking a nice college education and getting your uh, medical degree is basically you're either poor as hell or you find a way to make money. And if there is these huge amounts of sugar cane and uh, wood and gold and all these resources crossing the ocean and you got nothing, um, it's only between you and uh, the other ship and how many cannons or swords they have between you getting it and them getting it. And as we'll find out from Black Sam Bellamy, some pirates decided to go about that using fear, torture, and violence. And some of them were a little bit more, uh, you know, cunning and uh, had different ways of putting it. So even if we have our idea in our head of the pirate as, uh, you know, swashbuckling hero from movies or maybe um, an evil villain raping and pillaging and slaughtering as he goes and throwing them over the board, walk the plank, me hearties. It's somewhere in between where you find, you know, like we often talk about, the, the truth is somewhere in between the two extremes when it comes down to history. And Sam Bellamy, unlike a lot of the pirates what we uh, know about, is kind of an exception to the rule in that way, like Dylan mentioned. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, but he, uh, sorry, Dom, what were you saying? That's right. I was going to say another uh, big misconception is you always think all they did was ever go for gold, but a lot of the treasure they went for was clothing and weapons and supplies because they still had to survive on these vast journeys they would go through to get to the bigger treasures they were looking for absolutely yeah there's no cruise ship you can't just stock up at the nearest port and uh, have all the tourists come in (laughs) if you're surviving yeah if you're surviving by the seas you gotta like i said take clothing food i mean all the people are living out on the ocean for you know months at a time you gotta make sure people are surviving and when people get hungry they get antsy and people start doing things that they might not normally do and they get cabin fever cabin fever and cabin fever can lead to the spread of stds um, definitely true. something that can take down. Oh yeah, definitely something that can take down a pirate ship. On top of the fact that, um, again, like we said, some of these were desperate people in desperate times, looking for a way of living. And to sign up to be on a pirate ship is really romantic right now. Looking at the ocean, the, the spray in your face, all that stuff. Oh, but it, it there was a face. there was Thank there you. were rats, there was diseases, 
And if you did have a disease and an infection, they'd cut off your limb. And most, there wasn't a doctor on board 99% of the time. Yeah, that or die. It was the carpenter. The carpenter cut off your limbs. Mm-hmm. Which Man knows how to work sense. a saw. That's for sure. Yeah, like in, a, I mean, not a pirate, well, not a pirate incident, but in the movie Master and Commander, it's a wonderful scene about um, just how that goes when somebody, I think they, their hand, they get hit by a cannonball and they smash their hand in a cannon and they had to cut off their limb by giving them a nice little bottle of, <clears throat> oop, can't see, oop, gotta put it right here. A nice bottle of whiskey, bourbon, rye, scotch, whatever they had. And they would drink this with a rag bite on it thing. They cut off your arm or leg or whatever part that they have to cut off. And that's the life that these guys lived. I do feel like kind of a pussy every time I, I drink some whiskey and no one cuts my arm off. I go, this is all these guys had to get through it. And I'm using it just to hang out in my house. What a wimp I am. What a wimp. I know. You never take for granted ibuprofen ever again. <laughs> That's right, me hearties. Acetaminophen could have been really beneficial back then. Unfortunately, all we have is alcohol. And a strong constitution and sea legs. So let's dive into the subject at hand here. Uh, now that we understand what was going on in that time period and why people were uh, swashbuckling, stealing, pillaging all these goods, I mean, not to paint them in such a great light, but a lot of these pirates were former sailors, either from uh, mercantile companies or a lot of them, including some we'll mention today, were former sailors in the British Royal Navy. I mean, they learned how to sail and how to run a ship working for the army of the biggest global empire in the world at the time. And uh, you get disenfranchised, you're looking for a better way of life, you get some time in the new world, as they call it at the time, and you decide, hey, I could be doing just as well running my own ship and uh, taking these supplies instead of uh, answering to my masters back in Great Britain. And a lot of yeah, them did and that. their masters were, were just renowned for high unemployment rates, overcrowding, and just a widespread poverty. So you got trained people who are just like folks today in the military who come back and not really sure what to do. Go to disenfranchised and trained to be, you know, excellent at what they were doing. Yeah, master in the sails and other ways of, of life on the sea, uh, much like our friends who went down to uh, to Antarctica to go to explore. Mm-hmm. Masters yep. It's basically the Navy's own worst enemy. I trained you, and now you're coming after me. They're the John Rambo of the seas. <laughs> That's right. Much like the stories we were telling you about uh, disenfranchised sailors working for the British Royal Navy, Sam Bellamy, our, uh, the star of the, the Witta story, is definitely one of them. He started out being a sailor working for the uh, British Royal Navy. He found himself in Cape Cod, um, like, like Dylan said, in the early 1700s. He was born in England in 1789. And when he spent enough time in Cape Cod, he happened to meet uh, 16. The, love of, the love of his life. Sorry. You said 1789. <laughs> 1689. 1689. America is not a country yet. This is still just the colonies. Thank you for oh, yeah. clarifying that. Uh, yeah, 1689 is when he's born. He, he, early 1700s, he gets over there. He meets a, a wealthy uh, woman in his time uh, being a shoreman uh, and a sailor around Cape Cod. Uh, she lived in what we would call now as Wellfleet, but at the time, uh, the towns weren't large enough to separate them that way in, in Cape Cod. Um, and so he meets this this girl named uh, what was her name again, Dom? Mary. Uh, it was Mary or Maria Hallett. Hallett, thank you. Hallett. Because they she don't went on to be called. Really know her first name. Right. She went on to be called the, the Sea Witch because her story is more uh, legend. It's hard to track down historical documents about who she really was. But and a lot of this 
part of the story goes as a legend were, but the story goes, he falls in love with her. He's but a sailor boy from England. She's comes from a wealthy family and he wants to marry her. Unfortunately, a sailor boy makes no husband for a rich, wealthy Cape Codder woman, even back then. Doubly true now, I'm sure, but definitely back then. And uh, her parents decide there's no way this guy's going to marry you. But he, like any good pirate captain, just a sailor now, goes off to seek his own fortune. He says, I'm going to come back with a heap of wealth and I'm going to marry you one day, Mary. And he decides to set off for the the triangle of gold, as it were, down there in the Caribbean, where a lot of the pirate activity is going because it's part of the triangular trade, which we'll get into later. It's part of this massive uh, trade empire going around all of the Atlantic, and a big hub of it is in the Caribbean because of all the, the sugar cane and all the resources they can grow down there. So pirates are a, a plenty down there. Pirates of the Caribbean isn't just a random idea. It's one of the biggest pirate activities in the world happening down there. So he heads down to a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> one of Bruckheimer's best. Cannot be rum. In rum, you mentioned rum, sugarcane. <laughs> in rum, in rum. Jack Sparrow loves rum. Rum is made from sugarcane. That's why they're down in the Caribbean. Yeah, coffee, uh, all these new resources come from the, uh, the Americas that Europe never had before. It's very lucrative. So he goes down there to be a treasure hunter because some of these ships are going down, whether it's um, Spanish trading ships, Netherlands trading ships, English, or even pirate ships that have gone down with treasure. And people are saying there's wealth to be had at the bottom of the seas there or dug up on these islands. And Sam Bellamy decides to go down there and start treasure hunting himself. He went down there because yep. this fucking guy had a gift compared to other pirates. He's a combination of Jack Sparrow and Blackbeard. I mean, for real. Blackbeard's really kind of the captain of the Black Pearl. Jack Sparrow is Jack Sparrow. <laughs> yeah. you know, they're very different pirating styles out there, especially down in these days, in the golden age of pirating. Mm-hmm. And our buddy Sam here, Black Sam, um, had He'll be known in the future, side, which is great. What's that? He will be called Black Sam in the future. Oh, he's that, not Black Sam yet? Uh, no, he's now little not, not, young not man Sam, treasure hunter. He, he's just Sam Bellamy at this oh, point. Oh, well, he's, not, he's yeah. not as little as he once was when he first started, though. No. I mean, he's already 14 years into sailing by the time he goes treasure hunting. Mm, a lot of eating seagulls when things get tough. Guys right oh, yeah. Um, he's got his sea legs already. But what's cool about, what's cool about Sam, we're going to call him just Sam for now because he's not Black Sam yet, is, uh, is he's a guy who combines... Blackbeard with Captain Jack Sparrow with the with the ethics of like uh, Gandhi and the aggression of uh, you know uh, someone who's crazy in the Marine Corps this dude is was willing to rob anyone didn't give a shit that's what he did rob people but he also was strong tidy and focused on strategy this is the only type of pirate that could get you to um actually not getting a firefight out on seas with him he was like hey just actually i see you we see what you're doing you outsmarted us just take our boat and whatever it is and even then this is the type of guy that would leave them with something over the time he commanded a lot of commandeered a lot of other ships and some of them were shittier than the others example the widow not a piece of shit and he would uh commandeer ships and if they weren't that great, he'd be like, hey, I want to take your better ship, but you can have our shittier one so you don't just die or whatever it is. And here's a couple, <laughs> here's a couple of pieces of silver for you and have a good, have a good life. Yeah, his, yeah. Uh, his, his famous kind of mantra, I guess you could say, for going into battle was fight smart, 
harm few and score big. That's he a definitely great, great focused on efficiency. Was that Christopher Columbus's mo- uh, mantra as well? Uh, How dare you close. compare him to Columbus? He no pirate. So he is not catching a lot of uh, or finding a lot of treasure, treasure hunting down in Florida. So he decides to join up with people who are very successful, which happen to be swashbuckling pirates themselves because those guys get out there, they use their sailing skills, their talents, their wherewithal, and they're making money. So he joins a ship crew, uh, and the ship's called the Marianne, happens to be captained by one Benjamin Hornigold, who is another former sailor for the uh, British Royal Navy, and his first mate is named Edward Teach, who will in the future refer to him as the immortal Blackbeard, but at the time, he's first mate Edward Teach. So at some point in time, Black Sam Bellamy, Ben Hornigold, and Blackbeard were all on the same ship at the same time, sailing on the Marianne, which is a sloop, a pretty small ship in comparison to a lot of the ships that you'd think of. Was that the Marianne or the Marianne? It's the, it's the Marianne, I believe. Well, the Marianne or the Marianne? Uh, one word, Marianne, I think. Okay. All right. That's important. Gotcha. Yeah. That detail complete. Oddly enough, that, yeah, you're right. That is a... <laughs> Uh, and and, uh, just I don't know, if we want to, if we want to throw some dates in there, it was uh, the Please. summer of 1716 that, that he joined up with Hornigold and Teach. Right, which happens to be uh, the same year where they commissioned the ship, the Widow, which we're going to come yeah. back to right here, 1716. Thank you for dating it for us, Dom. Um, so yeah, within the amount of time where he starts to be sailing for the Marianne, he, they find out that he's one of the best sailors they've ever seen, and he's just you know amazing at his craft. He's like Dom said, he's had many years of experience at this point. It's not his first day. That was first rodeo. And he gets to be so good at it that he's one of the most valuable members in the crew. And when the time comes that they're going to use this democratic process that a lot of pirate ships had, but none will be so democratic as Sam Bellamy's ship in the future, they decide to vote out Hornigold as the captain. They go, you're no longer to be trusted to be our captain. Uh, we want a new captain, and that captain is Sam Bellamy. He's going to be our guy. So they vote him new captain, and Hornigold decides to uh, – metaphorically jump ship and say, I'm, I'm doing my own thing now. If you guys don't want me to be captain, go screw. And Edward Teach uh, goes off as well to, to get into his future. Um, so for Benjamin Hornigold in the future, he ends up becoming actually a privateer and he ends up hunting pirates for the British Royal Navy. So he goes from being part of the Royal government to being a pirate then to being a pirate hunter when he takes the pirates part in which is a uh, decree they put in place in the future to try to cut down on pirates saying takes one to kill one. They say takes one to kill one for sure. Exactly. And of course, Edward teach goes on not to be a privateer, but to be one of the most famous pirates in history, yeah. Blackbeard. Yeah. And uh, do you want to touch on uh, before we keep going on with Sam uh, touch on the you know quick little downfall of Blackbeard? Cause he only lasted two years. As sure. Yeah. Captain. Let's do an aside of Blackbeard. It's worth talking about. Uh, so he, you know, Blackbeard was ruthless. He, in just the two years that he was a pirate captain, he was very successful in all the ships and gold that he purchased. Hmm. Um, but this, the story that I know the best that, you know, it's one of those things, it's a story. No one really knows exactly how it happened. But there was a naval lieutenant, found out he was going to South Carolina, and, you know, kind of cut him off with some smart stuff. Then when they were doing their main battle, the lieutenant and Blackbeard were fighting. And it's like the, my favorite example of right place, right time, this low rank, just sailor happened mm-hmm. to notice Blackbeard and took a swipe and slit his throat, took the thunder from the Lieutenant that had been fighting with him. Oh shit. 
<laughs> and and that was the end of Blackbeard. Cut him down just like that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, did they take the his his famous ship called the Queen Anne's Revenge? I think was the name of his ship. Did they take the ship with them after they killed him? Um, you know, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure they did because the the na- the navy boats that they took with them both sank in the process oh, yeah. of trying to fight. So him. they had to take his ship. So then we already won, I mean, right? It had to have been that, or they tried to limp one of their little uh, schooners away. Yeah, that's something to remember about pirate battles. Like we we uh, talked, or Dylan briefly mentioned as well as Dominic, is that when you're fighting out in the open seas, it's sometimes the best option is just to either surrender or come to a terms because you could be miles and miles away from land. And if you sink both ships, everyone's dead. So at some point, we have to make an agreement here what's going to happen. And maybe it's I take your ship and we'll kick you overboard, or we just decide, hey, you can take that crappy ship. I'll take your good ship. We have to come to some kind of understanding because there's really no way to have peace terms out in the open ocean. Either you're going to Davy Jones locker or you're going to sail away. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a death sentence sailing without pirates coming at you. True. Yeah. And best case scenario, you end up on like an Island, like I'm on at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then you with, just, uh, like, with some nice whiskey, like, like uh, Tom Hanks for a while, you know, be sending out an SOS. <laughs> <laughs> a little message in a bottle, you know, we'll get to somebody. Crazy times. Oh, speaking of Blackbeard, um, I have been on many uh, lobster uh, boats in the Portsmouth, New Hampshire region, mm-hmm. region area. Um, and almost every time we drive by this rock, um, drive by, we float by. A boat, float? Sail. Floating sail. sail. But you're not sailing because there's no engine. I don't know. Have you seen a lobster boat? There's no sail on that thing. I know, but. Not anymore. I still like the term sail. What do you drive by? You drive with a uh, motor, yeah, pilot, pilot it. Yeah, you operate by. Operate. I'm gonna operate my boat past that rock. Cruise. Maybe it's cruise. Steer. Steer. No. I don't know. Anyways, um, I'm in just the back. Say sail. It just I'm, sounds I'm the, better. I'm in the back for yeah, the for sail the, works for the ride. Um, but yeah, every time my aunt comes up from Virginia, we end up on these lobster boats just every fucking year. And then, I mean, except for last year. And I'm just, it's all good, you know, it's cool. Catch some lobster. They show you some traps. They also go, hey, you know, they do the tour thing and whatever. And um, there is a rock in the middle of the ocean. But it wasn't a rock. It was a rock <laughs> lobster. lobster. I thought you were going to say, it's not a rock. It's a SpongeBob quote. I don't know that it's one. Not a boulder. It's a rock. When the 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 pirate the pirate <laughs> boulder, it's a rock. Like that's not a it's not the a pioneers boat. used to it's drive these babies for miles. Yes, yes. But he's sitting on the rock and he's like, "It's not a rock. It's." He just he, said, he says it. it's, he says it's not a boulder. It's a rock. Oh yeah, that's what it is. Sorry, yeah, I screwed it up. Okay, I didn't hear that. <laughs> he that's just exactly gave you the lifeline. You were even thinking of <laughs> yeah, lifeline number one today. Throw more two. lifesavers. Anyways, when you're there, it's kind of interesting because um, you go by this rock on this lobster boat and uh, they're like, hey, the rumor has it. It's pretty much almost confirmed that Blackbeard hid a lot of treasure um, like in in a cavern in this rock under the water type of thing. But nobody can touch it because the state owns it. The state. Bummer. Goddamn state. yeah, right. So like, no, they're like, hey, we can't just blow it up and excavate to go find Blackbeard's treasure because it's like a, a national landmark, which I understand. I'm a huge conservationist, but but I still like, yeah, don't you want to know? Like, come on, you know, you got to Well, because like the Federal Reserve, there's nothing there. Oh, <laughs> I take. Have you, do you know that? Did you, did you scan this rock? Have you swam there? 
No, no I have not. We can't. Well, wouldn't it be more of a national treasure if it's The Rock, but also Blackbeard's treasure is in there? I mean, it could be a twofer. I think so. I think it's pretty cool. But I'd be uh, worth using know, that ground penetrating radar we've talked about in uh, other podcasts to see if there's anything in there. You know? Yeah, it's about time. Yeah, can, can't they do something like? Yeah, exactly. Do something, some ultrasound type of situation. Yeah. I don't know. Or, or just a crazy metal detector that can sense like you know like. Any of you who've used a metal detector, gold really makes a different sound than a nail. Oh, yeah. So something like that, um, you know, but it takes a uh, the curse of Oak Island to be able to get to the Bobby's things. And they bought that thing. They bought that whole island for, you know, a lot of money. Then a private mm-hmm. company come dig it all up, try to figure out how the, all these people involved in it. But all these pirates may have been involved in the, coast, in, in, in the island of Oak Island in Nova Scotia. But that's a different point. That was what happened to Blackbeard. Uh, just another mm-hmm. tale of a pirate going oh, yeah. wrong. And a good example of the stories about the pirates being, uh, the legend is larger than the actual historical truth. I mean, the legend of Blackbeard is so far reaching that even kids know about him now. And two years on the open season gets just throat slit by someone. I mean, that's not exactly the pirate legend you hear about, but that's the legends that come up from him. And then yeah. and a lot of how many legends-, legends can come up in two years? Uh, he know how to make a mark. He, he can market yeah. himself pretty well. I X did. marks the spot. <laughs> Powerful, crazy people get the attention of the of the news and of stories and of legends real quickly. Like we, oh all, yeah, we're all. But also specifically, I mean, they first started documenting what's going on with pirates, like you know, relatively recently in the 1800s, something like that. When there's like stories, like hey, this is like a a, a worthy story to talk about. But even more recently, we go to the 50s when movies came out in Treasure Island. Um, and the guy who wrote that really brought the modern day pirate to life. I mean, um, basically everything we know about pirates or what we think we know comes from Treasure Island, the yeah. book and then the movie. I mean, even how we're all dressed and how we're all talking, that's Treasure Island. What? Yarg. Army mateys. That's all Treasure Island. That's all Treasure Island. I don't know. They, you know how the pirates actually talked? Like how people talked back then who were sailors. They probably had a, a lot of bad words to say and were a little bit rough around the edges, but they weren't they were probably a me, matey. I mean, they were British, <laughs> a lot of them. They were British citizens. They're like, yeah. hello, chap. Can you fix the jib, wouldn't you? Something worse than like a really angry, aggressive British chap. You know, back then you get a pirate and this guy's speaking as a British accent and he's stabbing you. And you're like, this, this is no <laughs> idea what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's your goods or I'll give you a real what for? You don't want me to do that, do you? I don't want to do it. Please just surrender your ship. <laughs> well, they know. I mean, they know the life. I mean, you sink, like we all mentioned, you sink a ship, it's a bad death. You know, it ain't good. Also, getting hit with a cannonball ain't a walk in the park either. Sure um, ain't. You know, like you've literally a cannonball going through a ship that equals uh, if you don't get hit by the cannonball, you get hit by a bunch of wood or like like going. Yeah, the splinters. It's like basically shrapnel just going running into your body from shrapnel getting stuck in your shoulder. Like that's not fun. And you can't just call a med. You can't just call a helicopter to come get you. It's uh, you're going to have to, you know, we have to call the carpenter and cut off your arm. (laughs) Yeah. The good thing he already is good with woodworking so he can yank those 12 inch splinters out of your spine. You'll be just fine, kid. Yep. I'd rather get hit with a cannonball than get hit with those splinters because you're just going to die slowly on the open seas. I'd rather yeah, but, just get hit right in the cannonball. Yeah, but we, speaking of, you know, we just talked about the Big Lebowski a ago. You know, when he, the scene where he takes a bowling ball and then spins it into the guy's stomach? Oh, yeah. Right before Steve Buscemi dies? 
imagine the cannonball, like, you know, like cannonballs lose velocity after a certain point and you still, and then also going through a bunch of wood. Imagine just getting hit in the stomach with a cannonball going 85 miles an hour. It, Brutal. It probably would kill you at that speed, but overall. Yeah, that's, that's really a good thing though. It, it would kill you. That's what I'm saying. I, it was not going to go through you. you. Dude, 85 miles an hour cannonball might, not kill you right away it might really fucking just you would die a lot faster though than yeah. whether if you're gonna be you know slowly getting infected on the open ocean for the next week or if you're gonna drown to death in the bottom of the ship as it goes down i'll take cannonball to the chest well just, just imagine getting hit by a car going 85 but no paramedics are going to be able to come to get you mm. yeah 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 no definitely i mean none of it's ideal no it's a dangerous lifestyle but a pirate's life for me. <laughs> yep. Was syphilis around back then? Because that's also another way. Big time. It would be a really good way to go on the sea. You're out there for months and syphilis goes up your dick and into your brain. And then you eventually like go crazy. You turn into a four-year-old yeah. like oh, Al Capone man. did. I think yeah. it test the STDs on a pirate ship. Oh, boy. I can't even imagine. The thing is, I don't As think joke- they could test them. I think they could just visually see them. That's how bad it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. As joke and a test, I love Pirates of the Caribbean movies. <laughs> and... Uh, I thought you were going to say, as Joe can attest, I have syphilis. <laughs> no, no, no. Dylan knows about that. <laughs> no, but uh, actually in parts of the Caribbean movies, you can see Jack Sparrow has a big red spot on his chin that gets larger as the movies go. And it's supposed to show like he has syphilis and it's, it's growing. No. You shit yeah. me? I never knew that. Yeah. Is, you is got, the I mean, movie did that? No, well, I mean, yeah. It was the they, first they didn't PG-13 actually have to say Disney it movie. in the movie. They could just, you know, imply. Yeah, look, it. I mean, came out in 2003. We're just figuring out about it now. I think it was 2003. I don't know. I think That's so. I think you're right. I, I mean, if anyone has syphilis, Jack Sparrow definitely would have it. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah, it's, the syphilis shows up on his neck. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about syphilis, which is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, you're not a. You're not a doctor, so you don't have to know about it, and you don't have no. it. No, but it's not one of those things that you want to like know a lot about from experience. You know way too much about most things I know about are from experience, and syphilis is not one of them. A little bit of a time gap here between uh, Sam Bellamy being voted in as the pirate captain of the Marianne, uh, his own merry pirate crew, and just as he's got it voted in, he's pretty good at it, and he starts to be very good at being a pirate, succeeding with um you know, taking ships, taking their gold, taking their goods and uh, keeping his men fat and happy and being an all around uh, decent pirate captain. One of the reasons he was so successful is he went straight towards the Caribbean with that triangular trading, which was, uh, as Joe said earlier, it's, you know, they're the ships, it was a triangle from the new world to Africa, to the uh, Caribbean and back. And right. it was mostly just trading resources. So he knew from his naval training, like, well, I go here, I know there are these people coming back from Africa with all these captives, but they also have a lot of gold with them to buy their supplies in the Caribbean. And he would go on and, you know, use his efficiency to steal the ships free. And he was very good at freeing people that were going to be traded into slavery. Mm. And that's, I mean, that's how he built up to being what uh, they estimate today as being the most, uh, the richest pirate of all time. Yeah, the wealthiest pirate on record as far as we know. Estimated um, value of $120 million. Imagine hour, that. Hour That's in today's hour. money. But yeah, yeah, imagine that being just a swashbuckling uh, pirate on the open seas become one of the richest uh, people in the world of the time, I'd imagine. That's a lot of money. Yeah, and to expand on that, the uh, our ship, the, the Witta, they, they 
had to eventually start removing like bunk beds and stuff like that to be able to hold more cargo because they were just getting so much of it by just capturing ships. They just didn't have a place to put anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that another interesting, uh, just to tag on how, what kind of a captain he is, one of the rules that I heard, he said, again, it's part of the legend, hard to uh, substantiate, but if there weren't enough hammocks for everyone to sleep in, no one could sleep in a hammock. Just those kind of rules where like we're all a unified frontier and it feels that you can kind of have that bond grow and people aren't going to cut each other's throats and turn on each other if they all feel like they're part of one team. So uh, multiple rules like that and how to make everybody equal. Like, hey, if everyone can't sleep in a hammock, then no one can. We're one crew here. I'm not I'm not better than you. You know, people don't get better treatment. We're all here together. We have to live and survive uh, as one full crew. And I'm sure the temptation to rise to power is pretty strong i don't think people would have really denied him at that point but when you don't do that well you end up like ben hornigold and your own crew says get the fuck out of here we want a new captain we want sam bellamy black sam bellamy as he's come to be known nothing like no, building I, a I, culture of equality before way ahead of his time love that no i don't i don't have the exact numbers but it was roughly a third of his crew were uh freed or uh escaped slaves or captives from africa and he also had a, a good number of Native Americans on board with him too. Which yeah, was that makes really a lot just of ahead of its time back then. Yeah, ahead of its time for sure. And also, like we we're talking about, there's not a whole lot of options for people, especially if you're a freed or escaped slave. Uh, you really can't just go up to the nearest port and say, "Hey, I just lost my license. I need a job." I mean, what's the other option? This guy is taking a ship over where you're trapped inside, and he says, "Hey." We can send you on your merry way, or you can join our crew. You can start a new life for yourself and, and be an equal member of this group we have here. Or you can try your chances going all the way to the mainland of America. Spoiler alert, they don't treat you very well there. As you know, you've been shackled this whole journey. You know, it'll be, it'll be great when you show up. It's just this part that's going to suck. <laughs> It's like when work cultures say, it's like, yeah, we're like a big family, you know, all of us here in these cubicles. Bullshit. This was the real deal about that. Yeah. Hundreds yeah. of years beforehand. They actually are a real family. And that, all that these sense. people would do probably die for our buddy, Sam. Just because I really hope that they had a Madame de Voyage on that boat. Though, I was waiting imagine. for the second for you to bring that up. It I, is a sausage party on there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Pass around that broomstick. I like know, a witch have, spin the bottle. When you have really good friends and bros, do you need a Madame de Voyage even? I mean, if life's that good. Yeah, ooh. I mean, I guess you can, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You jack my dick, I jack, I jack yours. It's like a, you know, a communal experience there, you know. I wasn't even saying that. I was just saying about it, just like playing Xbox with your friends, you know, just having moments like this. What's the, what even is the point of having Madame well, Making podcasts in 1715. Yeah, just having a good time. Just Everyone's chilling. there, just sitting at the old uh, grog house and telling the stories and going set and sail and, and uh, capturing ships from people who are like slave traders. I mean, yeah. Bottoms up in more ways than one. Would you like to show us? <laughs> oh, I was singing my <laughs> treasure Island songs. <laughs> Because it reminded me of uh, the song with like, when you're a professional pirate, you don't have oh, to yeah. suit. <laughs> That's my head, yeah. Billy I think- Bones. I smell you, Billy. <laughs> I smell you, Billy. It's me, the blind pier. Smell a pretty little girl. <laughs>
Billy Bones. It's me, Blind Pierre. I know you're here, Billy. Oh, ah, a pretty little girl, is it? Yes, take me to Billy Bones, my pet. You've come to the wrong place. There's no Billy Bones here, and I'm not a girl. Oh, I may be visually challenged, but I can see you're lying. Good evening, Bill. I've seen that movie 10,000 fucking times. I watched it as an adult a couple years ago, and it fucking is awesome still. Like, you know, some movies, you're like, as a kid, you like fantasize about them. That one is good. Um, Treasure Island is, <laughs> I watched that recently too. Um, the amount of animal abuse in that fucking movie oh, is God, yeah. unbelievable. As a kid, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I can only Holy imagine. shit. I mean, it's like 1950s, early before 55. Um, totally legal I, to kill animals yeah, on so, screen. For, for shortly before they started doing something about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought, because like- The I, last I, hurrah. I had it on tape. <laughs> All right, one more yell till we can't kill them anymore. Start killing animals for TV. <laughs> animals, dude, it's it's <laughs> let me just fucking say for two seconds what it is. It's I turned it off. I was like, I can't watch this movie. Every fucking scene is animal abuse is like animal Damn. abuse. And it was it was one of them is two ti- real tigers. I mean, these are real fucking tigers. Insane. Um that they clearly got from a zoo or something, and then like German shepherds just fucking attacking them. I was like I was like, Whoa. this is not fun to watch for me. I mean, there's like tigers that just get let out of a cage and then just dogs going like just biting them like, yo, that ain't cool. Other one, the turtle scene, not good either. Just let's just fucking slaughter a bunch they of turtles. For shove some thr- saw straws down their noses. I don't even know if straws were invented yet, but it was, <laughs> it's like, they're just like, I don't even fucking know. I just was like, holy shit. That what animal like aren't they going to touch that is exotic, you know? Yeah, I'd say I haven't seen Treasure Island since I was a kid, but I've seen Mapper Treasure Island multiple times as an adult. Holds up wholeheartedly. Recommend, highly recommend. Amazing. Highly recommend it. Yeah. I mean, I would, I know that Dom, you're a big fan of Pirates of the Caribbean, but I would contend for me that it's the best pirate movie I've ever seen. Pirates of yeah, the Caribbean. I've seen it significantly less. So, mm-hmm. you know, next time you're up, we'll watch it. We'll- so, um, what else was I going to say? I think that, I think that summed up my, my stuff on movies. The Black Spot. The black spot, scary. Oh, in a black spot, yes. Oh, Billy, yes. Oh. What is the? Oh shit! <gasps> Dumb. Make noise. What? You have to make noise and do it. Oh, oh shit! I have the black spot. The black spot. that does like has a seizure when he sees it which yeah. i would too i mean that's scary you get the black spot it's game over it's terrifying dead. it's a death sentence the pirate sentence no escape in that you're worse than scurvy worse than scurvy yeah scurvy is no joke and who wants to talk about scurvy for a second i think it's pretty interesting sure i think scurvy Scurvy is is just the lack of vitamin c which i don't think you get from birds right no no how how are you going to keep fresh fruit when you got to plan a three-month trip exactly it's so rare for anyone to get the meat you want you can't salt fruit 
Besides watermelon, very tasty. Yeah, actually, yeah, a little salt I mean, on a cucumber. Uh, just like you said, Dom, yeah. you have to be months at sea, and no one really gets scurvy on land because you can get vitamin C from a bunch of different sources. Um, mm-hmm. and you get it like accidentally, but on, on the open ocean, you only have certain types of food. You can go that long without um, vitamin C, and scurvy yeah. is a bad way to go. It's I mean, weird. they're mostly eating salted meats and pickled stuff. Mm. Salted yeah. meats and pickled beets and stinky stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can probably get some vitamin C back if you decide to eat your shipmate, right? I guess, but it would. But you'd have I to mean, eat too much of them. Eat some fruit. Yeah, they I think you'd have to yeah. eat too much of them to get the vitamin C. By the time you got enough vitamin C, you'd already be full of uh, yeah. people people meat. Well, actually, we can use the transition into what grog is. Dude, yeah, let's talk can, grog. Dude, tell uh, us about some grog. What's up with grog? Uh, grog was initially created by the uh british navy as though because you know there's no clean drinking water or, or very little anyways when you're doing this big voyage they would uh everyone would get a what do you mean they're them. surrounded by water yeah you know salt water is very good for you uh but in the british navy every sailor would get a ration of a gallon of rum a day because it was safer to drink rum than to drink the seawater gallon, gallon yeah a day. That's so much rum. Wow. No uh, you know, we don't we don't know how high quality it was. It was probably like most things back in the day, it was probably lower alcohol percentage. But still. still. Yeah, that's a lot of rum. And they would mix it with any or for as long as they could with any citrus they had, any sugar they had, uh, any fresh water they could, and just mix together and they would drink that. And that was grog. It was pretty much, you know, it sounds gross. Whatever you had that was still good put into a drink okay so grog so i i I thought i went my whole life thinking that grog is just like a slang term for like their beer but a grog is is similar to uh to something called ass juice that i've had in manhattan at a uh, punk bar which is just everything put in one thing and they charge you three dollars a cup for it Solid. right yeah I, I have heard people use the term for other beverages also yeah like in parts of the, of the uh what do we play joe xbox uh sea of thieves sea of thieves everyone sea of thieves on xbox and don't play pc because you fucking loser and you'll kill us immediately um <laughs> would recommend if fair you play key things. With your friends. but in sea of thieves grog is just you get a wood mug you go up to the beer thing you drink it you throw up and it's beer but it doesn't look like uh but is it beer, though? Because it is grog in the game. Some, Just because it's stored in a barrel doesn't mean it's beer. I have heard it both ways, but if you look up a grog recipe, it's all mostly rum and citrus. Rum and citrus. That's So, so and then you put some though. sugar in and there it just makes to sense. keep it a little sweeter. Yeah, sugar and just a little... Uh, the way I drink, I put some... Uh, the, the recipe I do is uh, uh, four ounces of warm water, two ounces of rum, teaspoon of brown sugar and like a splash of lemon juice that's yeah, probably a grog yeah that sounds great i would love to Oops. share a grog with you guys sometime soon I agreed you're here original that seems OG. pretty accurate too because the, the sugar cane and making molasses and shit all down the caribbean that's what the brown sugar uh that's how you make molasses right so that's pretty yeah. much i think i'd imagine that's definitely what they were drinking almost to a tea even though, you know, you have clean drinking water that you're not worried about anything going in there because we live in the modern world, but still, same ingredients. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say no. I mean, there's the scene in Pirates of the Caribbean 1 where Johnny Depp is as a... Uh, the only uh, one, as far as I'm concerned. I know. Oh, don't be, tell be Doc. Be the quiet. only one. It's the only one that's fucking good. Third one's the best. 
Oh, the third one? I don't even think I've seen the third one. That, you oh, you gotta watch it. You're not best. missing anything. You're not missing anything. Don't worry about it. No, I'll still watch no, it. I'm, I'm into good movie. Don't mode, watch so. the fourth one. There's five of them Noted. now, isn't there? There's five, yeah. Wow, what is this? <laughs> Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Three, what is this? Three, yeah. one, two, five, four. That's the order that they are best to worst. <laughs> Three one two five four. All right, noted. Appreciate it. To so our guests, uh, three one two five four. If you're gonna take uh, that's Jenny's Pirates number. Of the Car- Pirates of the Caribbean movies rated by our pirate expert Dominic Morrow. Three one two five four. I so would I would go one two and then before that watch Muppet Treasure Island and then you're all set. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe Treasure Planet if you have more time, which is not really actually. I think uh, so. do Treasure Island for the first thirty minutes till you can't watch it anymore, and then you'll get in the mood for um for then i think muppet treasure island and then go to pirates of caribbean one that would be my choice yeah um and then i feel like watching animals be abused on treasure island might be slightly worse than pirates of the caribbean four so you might it'd be, it'd be a wash between those two uh i mean it'd, it'd be mm-hmm. close though because mm-hmm. that's pirates four is pretty bad So the winner, uh, a, a typical place where people didn't have clean hands. Um, I think it's time yeah. that we start talking about that thing because that's kind of what this is all about, right, guys? Absolutely. Yeah, the Witta Galley. The Witta Galley the started with the, one of the most infamous flaming pieces of shits of the time named Sir Humphrey Morris. Um, yeah, as mentioned, person. huge piece of shit who commissioned the ship to be a slave ship. And... Um, and he did so specifically because he was number one on the rank of piece of shit slave merchants yeah. in all of London. Well, uh, he has he has a nice uh, piece of shit growing up background too. Please tell us more because that's where my story is. Well, uh, this fucking guy. So Humphrey Morris was he was born into wealth in England and uh, classic piece of shocker. Shit. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> his his father died when he was young, and at eighteen he inherited his father's Aww. whole fortune. Oh no! In 1869, and uh, by uh, by the time he commissioned the wood in 1716, he was a director of the Bank of England and in English Parliament. Mm, classic. That's called sway. You get some juice at that. Yeah, you can really get whatever you want when you get that three thing, those three things together. Yeah, that's really a get out of jail free card, as it were. I can do whatever yeah. the fuck I want. Pretty much runs the banks, inherit a bunch of money white dude from london yeah is but commissions the ship owners. which um even though its use is you know obviously disgusting and becomes part of the triangular trade it's a beautiful and very well put together yeah. ship as top, well. top of the line for for the time mm-hmm. brandy spanking new the guy who's running the bank of england can afford it and dom would know dom works on heavy equipment so he can identify a good piece of heavy he knows a good galley when he sees one good galley when he sees yeah. one yeah. <laughs> good galley yeah, exactly. These Good are these, are, these are not uh, these are not like our friends great, here. Great these googly little, googly. <laughs> you know, the the wit is not a little like leisure boat like this. You know, it's no, a it's a, it's a purpose built. Yeah, look at uh, I need a rock. Oh, we can't see Dom. Right no, it's uh, it's a little closer to commercial something like use. this. 
it's more, yeah, a little closer to this. Exactly. Well, maybe I'll kind of blends in with the background, but and even closer is Dominic's background, which is a sketch of which is literally the gap with a galley. Yeah, commercial built commercial in, uh, purpose is, is to is to to make money for for working so this thing isn't just you know taking your wife out for a little bit of uh grog oh, on yeah. the water specifically the triangular trade it was it, the triangular trade had been going on for so long that they could build ships specifically for that purpose transatlantic from you know going down to Wida, which was a trade port port in africa which is what it's named after yeah, um, modern day we in and, and Benin, but the, the, the city's still there. It's called Wida. They spell it differently. The ship is spelled W H Y D A H, and the town is spelled O U I D A, but it's pronounced the same way, Wida. So it sounds like somebody was illiterate um, who decided to name the ship, which could have been Humphrey Morris. I hope it fucking was. Um, yeah. But, uh, and on that sketch not. that Dom has, it's actually spelled W-I-D-A-H, which is different than on the ship's bell. So everyone basically just yeah. talked, and then they spelled it whatever the fucking way they wanted. It's, there's no uh, Oxford Dictionary back then to decide what spelling is. But it's pronounced the same either way. Wida. Yeah, Wida. Wida. Just not Wida. Don't be confused. Not Wida. Not Wida. Wida. I'm so, sure so people, people did a- call it Wida. Huh? I'm yeah. sure some people probably did call it Wida back then. I'm sure they did those fucking morons. But Wida? No, I don't know anyone that would call it Wida. You'd have to be an idiot to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you inform us more about the book? Our peasant brains just can't process anything besides Wida when we read it, me and Joe. I don't need to know how to read all those learning words. This is a waste of my time, man. I don't even right. know any of that shit. Uh, well, some of the things about the Wida is, you know, it was a galley, which means it was a ship that had oars, but it also had a full three mast for if you had a good uh, wind going for you. Not to be confused with the part of the ship where you prepare food, which is also called a galley. Or a poop deck. <laughs> thank you. I was, I was worried we might get through a whole podcast about <laughs> pirates and not say poop deck. And thank you for saving oh, me. I made it happen. So a galley specifically means it's identified by the fact that it can be the propulsion system is either well propulsion is not even the word but the power plant whatever the fuck you want to call it, sails it's either sails or it's uh, oars like you said right yeah yes. I think yeah. propulsion system still works for that you're propelling the ship you usually wouldn't right. call it that but the word still means the same thing I think that's accurate I didn't look up the definition of propulsion system before I said this so I wanted to confirm that because it sounds like it works. Yeah, I mean, it, you're being propelled by the wind or propelled by displacing Manpower. water with an oar. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Obviously, when you're making a massive ship, it, it seems kind of uh, counterintuitive to be putting oars in as part of it. But when you're stuck with no wind in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, you're going to be wishing you had a couple of big old oars to get you moving. Yeah. It's better than nothing. Like in Muppet Treasure Island, it happens. <laughs> Billy Bones! Exactly right. It fucking happens in that movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Don, right, do you so have some more technical specs about I do the have Some more text about the widow. Yeah, oh, about the what, Dylan? We just said it seven <laughs> times in a row. You still <laughs> feeling bad at this, man? It's like I don't know. That's <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. Oh, we are trying as a. Yeah, my um, Talisker Storm is getting in my head after one point <laughs> one glasses of it, mixed with a COVID vaccine. Screw me. Nice combination. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, I do a few other specs about it. It was uh, so the Wida Galley was, it was a 110 foot long ship, 
and uh, it was the term they used back then was uh, a ton burthen, which means it could hold 300 tons of supplies, including the crew, while it was at sale. That's and Dominic, just just for clarity, that is your uh, your girlfriend's name, right? Ton yes. Burthen. Ton Burthen. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that before we go on board. Ton Bertha. Did you say hug Bertha? Oh no, I said hub Bertha. Ton Bertha. Ton, ton Bertha. Bertha. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And that's uh, what is it? A uh, three hundred tons, something insane like that. Yeah, it, it can. Uh, it just means that the the capacity of the ship was three hundred tons cargo and crew. And that's a shit ton. How uh, do we measure yeah. things, Joe? Remember we did this with, uh, you know, some people use school buses. What do we usually use? <laughs> yeah, we use um, columns at Gigantia, which is relatively the same as what this ship could carry or what a gorilla can bench press, as we found out in past podcasts. Specifically, how many, oh. how many gorillas would it take to bench press 300 tons? I think we're looking at uh, 600 to 1,000 gorillas, right? Less. Uh, we already figured out. We already figured out that a gorilla. A gorilla can, can bench press bench press a Dodge pounds, Dur- right? Dude, it can bench press <laughs> a Dodge Durango. We found out bench, not just throw it over. Damn. It can bench press it. And so is that like four thousand? So, so it's two tons. So it would take about one hundred fifty gorillas to lift um, the same capacity as uh, the widow would be able to carry on on board at at max capacity, which is insane. And three hundred yeah. tons, just for the record, for for those aviation people out there, I think that's about the weight of some of the biggest airplanes in the U.S. fleet, like the the C five Galaxy. I think three hundred tons is around that. Fucking giant. Back from the day, this thing's made of goddamn wood. You gotta love buoyancy, right? Buoyancy makes no sense. No one can explain it to me. It's magic. Please go kayak up to it. But I mean, without without, what you think about that, (laughs) without buoyancy, this wouldn't even be possible. I mean, this is basically if they were traveling across land with this much cargo, they'd never be able to do it. The fact that the ocean is there, I'm sure they wish it was not so wide, but the ocean is the best way to travel with this shit. You have a couple of sails, a couple of oars, you can carry the weight of a, of a building across that the 150 ocean. gorillas can carry. Try transporting that much weight from, from France to Belgium. You'll take, you know, a hundred more days to do it because it's going to be so heavy. But on a ship, sail away. Well, and at 15 miles an hour, it's not that bad. I mean, 15 miles an hour, 15. I can do 20 miles an hour on my bike on a flat plane, mm. um, not going down a hill, which is like pedaling as hard as I can. Um, and that's... 15 it's not fucking around at all i mean you're yeah still and you're only carrying half a ton around when you do that so oh, half oh. A ton. i mean plus not to mention this was 300 years ago yeah that was very impressive for the time state of the art yeah, yeah. i mean it, it took them two years just to build the ship well it didn't take that long for them to lose it no, it did not. But I'm no, not done no, with that. We're not yet. going there yet. Imagine <laughs> if they had aliens help them take care of this technology, like the pyramids. Who knows what could happen? Fuck you. Man, imagine if they had a sun in a box. They could build like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's heard the podcast. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, the other kind of two little statistics I have for this is, uh, so it was built to house 500 captives to move from Africa to either the Caribbean or the new world. And uh, it had 18 guns cannons on it, which uh, was a good amount for a ship of, cause I mean, it wasn't a huge ship, but it, it you know, it wasn't small either, but you know, it, it, it had plenty of firepower for what it was doing. Sure. 
Like it wasn't built as a warship, like some of those large um, uh, galleons or man of wars with those double racks of guns. They could have up to 30 cannons ac- across on both sides. Just these like the Constitution. I, I think the, yes. the Constitution was a little bit smaller than that, right? Or maybe it was. I'm pretty sure it's just a piece of paper. Oh, yeah. No, but the Constitution is. <laughs> Come like- on, Dylan. Give him a laugh <laughs> on that. You're going to whoa. And all the ch- We're just fucking it's spitballing funny. here. Give him a laugh funny. or take jerk. I know. I should laugh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice try. You, you saw. Moving on. It's a dad joke. He just said a dad joke. I don't know how you want to respond to that. Dad you jokes, kiddo. You know. <laughs> okay. You, know, <laughs> you got me. How do you respond to dad jokes? I don't know. No, no, I'm just fucking with you. You can respond however you want. Dad jokes. I mean, that's pretty much it on uh, <laughs> I mean, statistics about it. But uh, uh, either of you know who uh, captains the Wida originally? Um, his name was Lawrence. Captain Lawrence? Yeah, Lawrence Prince, former pirate. So he was a pirate, and then he became the captain of the widow. Yeah. So I test. I mean, he he wasn't a privateer because he wasn't hunting pirates, but he was a pirate who changed sides and started. I mean, he basically ran merchant ships for England. Yeah, I think for the most part they were um, they wanted to get rid of pirates as easy as possible, and if that happened to be that you were going to work for them instead, instead of saying you must pay for your crimes and there needs to be justice here. They go, Hey, you're already graded it. If you want to stop being a pirate and start working for us, we'll just take it at that. We don't need to throw you in prison. Your skills are better used on the sea with this brand new slave ship. It's going to make us a ton of money. And you know how to sail in the Caribbean. You know how to make it across. We'll, we'll have you be the guy. This is kind of off track. Have we talked about why his name was Black Sam Bellamy? Please fill me in. Cause I have no idea. And I was hoping someone had the answer, but I didn't want to uh, the main reason was he Ooh, didn't the like main wearing, reason. Ah, he didn't like wearing powdered wigs, so he grew out his natural black hair, and that's why they called him Black Sam Bellamy. Other ones was like he would wear black coats while he was being a pirate and stuff. But from what I've seen, the main reason is that he wouldn't wear a powdered wig, even though most people would. Uh, I yeah, that's what I thought. Not that interesting. But, but it is in the sense that you don't picture most pirates being uh, wearing powdered wigs to the point where he'd be odd for not wearing one. Like they called him that because he wouldn't wear a wig, which means that most pirates were wearing wigs all the time. That's very strange. So but- you know, they're like anarchy type of people. I mean, like nonconformists, like the wig bullshit, which is something we got to bring up because it's insane that. Oh, yeah, it's nuts. Like if, if the three of us were in our, when our like mid to late 20s, um, that's when you go, all right, guys. Uh, we are in our mid to late 20s. <laughs> Imagine I... a world in which we are all that age, but we all had syphilis. Right. Yeah. But, and we also have to, like, we, we're, we have to wear the wig because we're lawyers. Like, what kind of weird shit is that? It's so fucking white, weird. Powdered white human hair. Yeah. You're like 25 years old wearing a powdered white human hair wig. And you're like, this is, demands respect from the court because I have the powdered white curly wig on it clearly means i'm a higher level of intelligence yeah i mean that's where the term big like running from, from a tiger with that on you fucking idiot <laughs> i say man i mean you it's like, like, like going to court without your wig it would be like going like if a lawyer showed up with a t-shirt nowadays yeah which i'd be fine with i don't really see any problem with that no i mean the t-shirt thing i, I want a comfortable lawyer protecting me <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I imagine that. I'm here to just make sure you feel all right. I think that shoes matter in today's day more than anything else. If your lawyer shows up with uh, with Velcro shoes, I'd be scared. But if he shows up with a t-shirt and like some cool work boots like that, I'd be fine. He's like pulling up in Tevas with socks guy. on. You're like, ah, I think I know. I'll take the public defender on this one. I'm not sure if I'm going to go yeah, for I'm it. Gonna, yes. Uh, excuse me, Your Honor. I'm going to represent myself this time because <laughs> work for I'm Ted Bundy. Crocs. Why not me? <laughs> yeah. Back to Sam Bellamy. Uh, I, I think we're just about at its uh, maiden voyage. It's maiden voyage with it's the Anne, the Marianne, and the, the something else. The Fisher. Like you the said. Fisher. Maiden voyage, slave slave trip, uh, going to a certain part of Africa to go pick up slaves and bring them back. They're, they're going to a Witta. Witta. And they're Which is the town in Benin that, that they named the ship after. Yeah, and they're trading. Uh, they're trading like spices and goods and rum and that type of stuff for slaves. It's really fucked up. They can only five hundred of them. That type of stuff. Um, and that's uh, well, where. Uh, little interesting thing is, yeah. surprisingly enough, they must have not been too confident in the ship because the first trip, well, the only trip, uh, they only had three hundred and twelve captains with them. They didn't even load up all the way. It's hard to sell out opening night in their defense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but they did have four and a half tons of gold and silver on board with them. Ooh, how, how many pirates gorillas are licking their chops just thinking about that? It's almost like they were set up to fail. Yeah, and, uh, I have here that they were. It was uh, on February seventeen seventeen. They were headed through the Windward Passage on the way to Jamaica when they met their fate at the hands of Black Sam Bellamy. And that's where our story comes together, as you were. We have Sam Bellamy go down prowling those oceans around the Caribbean, and the widow shows up down there, like you said, stocked full of uh, captives, as well as all of that treasure, which happens to be their downfall coming forward. Because when he gets there, he notices this ship, the widow, and he, as a great pirate captain he is, he goes, that's probably full of valuables. Let's, let's um, take him out the way he knows how. He goes after them with the two ships he has at the time, which is the Marianne, the ship that he's um, been captain of since Blackbeard and Hornigold left, and another ship called the Sultan, or the uh, the Sultana, my, my, my mistake. Uh, and the Sultana is a, uh, a galley, like the Witta is, and the Marianne's a sloop. And they come upon this ship, and he does his pirate action the way that we talked about before, like Dom said, like, be efficient, cause as little harm as possible and get your prize that's not a direct quote i fucked it up but something like that it was close <laughs> thank you fight smart harm few and score big oh it's way better <laughs> that's why he's a pirate i'm just an asshole <laughs> i like that i'm putting that in the, the, the header uh so yeah they go after the ship and the widow is actually a faster ship than either the sultana or the marianne but unfortunately uh captain Lawrence Prince is not as good of a sailor as our Black Sam Bellamy. And with a three-day chase in the open ocean, they're trying to avoid them. Uh, eventually, they run them down for superior sailorship. And um, when it comes down to it, they fire a couple of warning shots with the cannons just to let them know we mean business. And as we mentioned before, Sam Bellamy does what Sam Bellamy does. And the captain surrenders. He comes on board and he goes, I don't have to kill anybody. It's my ship, isn't it? And he goes, yes, sir, it is. Take what you want, including freeing the captives on board and asking who wants to join up with the pirate crew and who wants to sail 
with this jerk off who had you locked up the whole time. It's an easy decision at that point. Keep in mind with those cannons. Um, another fun little fact that came up is that uh, there was at first on the Witta, there was 18 six pound cannons. So I think that means based off of like uh, other artillery I know about, like six pound would be the, the, the weight of the cannonball. Yeah, right? not, not the whole cannon. Oh, we know that. This is a cast iron cannon. Um, yeah. Hey, Joe, uh, while we're at it, pull up a picture of me on top of a naval cannon. It fucking exists. Um, oh, I love that picture. That's a great picture. Do you know the, the size of that cannon? We can look it up. I can look that it was, up. Um, that's I'm pretty sure that was 1800s cannon, big. no question. Um, probably over six pounds. Of, yeah, naval cannon, that thing probably weighs, I'd say, 3,000 pounds. I mean, the uh, the artillery, like you're saying, it's it's named after what the size of the uh, rounds are, right? Not the size. Yeah, of the... it's more modern. It's more yeah. like Civil War times. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, well, they probably used probably it in millimeters like instead of pounds, pounds or something. They would probably say like it's a 20 millimeter cannon or whatever. No, they say. Not, I don't think yet. I think it's still in pounds when it's cannonballs. Oh, okay. so I think that the, the naval cannon that I was on, I think is probably closer to like eight pounds or maybe even 13. Um, it's, oh, just right. more, it's more efficient um, and more uh, the, the the punch is like more hardcore or something like that. But um, but that's naval cannon. But anyways, these cannons we're talking um, at the moment on the Wita, eighteen of these. So we're what's eighteen by two nine on each side um, at six pounds a pop. And then uh, what our boy Black Sam side do is add ten more five per side. Yeah, that's how you pirate it up. More cannons. Yeah, more guns. Let's let's fucking do it up. Kind of pimp your ride featuring Exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's going on? We have a shitty Toyota Camry from 1992. We could put nine cannons on this side, nine cannons on that side. Come on, man. You know how it go. And we'll take the interior out of that thing so we can uh, add more cannons and more gold. <laughs> now, those cannons do actually weigh six pounds. Because you can't put big ones on a Toyota Camry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're actually six-pound cannons, dog. <laughs> hey, Dom. So, so for those who know Dom, Dom, Dom's got a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool objects, a lot of cool like fireplaces and wheelbarrows. You can light things on fire and that type of stuff. Do you have one of those mini cannons? I kind of feel like you're the type of guy who had one of those. I do not. I know someone who does. I. That's the best. I personally don't have one. You gonna get one? But I should get one. Yeah, you fire it off into the bog. They're yeah. insanely loud. I mean, they're they're yeah. as big as a laptop tops, right? I mean, well, for the ones I've watched on YouTube. Well, I've seen two different kinds. I've seen some that, like when I was in Boy Scouts at summer camp, that was probably about 18 inches long that would fire a 12-gauge shotgun shell. Well, they, they would use a blank, but right. yeah. Right. And then uh, another guy I know has one that's, the thing's probably only six inches and you would just literally just pour yeah, some It's not black about the size of the cannon. It's about how you use it. It's true. Yeah. With yeah. Th- this little one, you would literally just like pour some black powder down it and put a wick in and light it. And it would just boom. Yeah. You, you could put projectiles in it, but they, you know, you got the same effect just lighting the powder off. Right. Right. Yeah. We're not trying to do anything crazy at the moment, but right. um, those things are pretty wild. Um, I have a small cannon story for you guys. I was um, a couple of years ago kayaking in Portsmouth Harbor at the at the mouth, which I would highly recommend no one ever does. Don't ever do that. <laughs> that was so deceiving. I would highly recommend that you don't do it. Don't ever, <laughs> ever do that. Dangerous, I was huh? in my early 20s and a lot more like I'm never going to die. 
Um, mm-hmm. Unlucky to make it out of that one. Terrible place to kayak. I mean, it's one of the strongest currents in the whole country. And I said, that's eh, fine. I'm going to kayak. I can do this. Um, U.S. Navy base is there um, as well as the Coast Guard. So there are submarines where they, you know, my grandma worked there, whatever it is. But like Coast Guard um, base is up on the right. And it, and it just funnels in uh, multiple channels of one with the, the Atlantic Ocean into several channels of water under like a gigantic bridge. Um, and the current is insanely strong. The eddy currents are crazy. The whirlpools are big. Not a place you should be kayaking. Really stupid. That seems um, tough for even for a dinghy with an outboard motor. Never mind just a, a paddle. I mean, that just seems awful. Oh yeah, no question. And it's such a weird spot too. And there's there's a cool story about a, a U-boat going. There's multiple U-boats surrendered there after the war. I mean, there's a legit fucking place. Um, and I never made it into under the bridge because I could feel the current under my kayak getting wild. Um, but that's not the point is that I turned, I went to a abandoned, um, quarantine, uh, lighthouse. I kayaked to that, um, by some U-boats like nets, um, which was pretty cool from like the 17, 1800s where there was a, another plague and they would put people there. But anyways, the whole point is that I was in a kayak and I decided that I'm not going to go into that current cause I could feel it and it would just kill me immediately. Like it's yeah. really bad. Um, but at the coast guard station, a sailboat, an old, like, you know, um, early 20th century sailboat came out put its sails down and then just launched off it was the coolest thing but then it fired its cannons because we're talking oh, cannons man, that's so cool man i wish i would have yeah. seen that it was like a tour so i was near it i was not far from this thing and it dropped its sails and then like a minute after the sails went down it fired the cannons and um i thought my head was gonna explode i mean it was the one of the loudest things i've ever heard in my whole life and since it's a triangular inlet that sound bounced off everything like all the rocks, Ooh. all the stuff. Man. So I had this like yeah. loud explosion happen three times. And I was like, wow. So that's what this type of like s- naval conflict back yeah. in those days. That's really good to keep very in mind. Very loud. Yeah, because you're thinking you're watching it movies or whatever, you're just thinking about the logistics of fighting, but you're forgetting the actual, you know, din of battle in the moment. How you'd, be, you'd probably be able, to, barely be able to hear anyone's saying at any given time, the cannons are going off, 19 cannons on one side going off. I mean, you probably be able to hear anything you're saying. Never mind. Hey, watch out for that. I mean, it's just going to be complete chaos and just the sheer level of noise. Never mind the smoke filling the air. If you mm-hmm. light one, you know, actual musket ball off in a, you know, a football field, you can see a cloud of smoke. Try lighting off nine cannons on a ship. You'd probably barely be able to see the deck at that point. I just can't imagine the, the chaos and craziness that goes into not only calculating a naval battle but doing it successfully without getting all tripped up in the middle it takes a lot of which, skill which probably goes into why black sam bellamy put so much effort into you know as little no not, i wouldn't say as little effort as possible to be as efficient you yes, know yeah get it done fast don't want your crew going deaf you want to be able to see the other ship if there's too much smoke you don't know like they could be they could turn well enough smoke they could probably turn around away from you without you even realizing right yeah It'd take a little while but you know, so that, that probably leads a lot into why he spent so much effort trying to get things done quickly. Yeah, the proof's in the pudding, becoming the richest pirate in history. So, you know, that seems to be the way to do it if you can. Speaking of pirates, um, one of the craziest things about, uh, about, our, about our friend Sam here is that um, we mentioned it briefly, but before we get on the situation is that like his, one of his main motivating factors in his life is that this, there's this chick back home, not back home, but in the Cape Cod, who is a witch, well, right? What's her name? What, which Mary? Uh, Mary Hallett or Maria Hallett. 
And he may or may not have known her or been with her. They may or may not have had a child. Mm, Yeah, this is all part of the legend. But as far as we know, yeah, that that was the uh, his childhood love that he was out to serve fortune and go back to one day. And uh, that was his end goal was to go out and make a couple of bucks in a quick way with his skill set. And then come back and then just live happily ever after. Like, uh, well, uh, let's uh, let's uh, loop back to him having the widow on his way back to Elfleet. That leads to let's do know, it. Sure. Do, do, do you want to touch quickly on the fact that they call her the sea witch before he gets back there at some point? Because oh, did I tell the story on why she's the sea witch already? I don't remember. No, but we, no, we, no, we no, have talked a lot about witches on this podcast because of Dylan. Uh, you know, knows a lot about witches from being in Salem and all of that. And as far as I, I'm concerned, it's a pretty similar story where. It's, a misunderstanding and people just um, taking advantage of shitting on young women and just saying they're witches yeah. and ruining their lives. So uh, as the legend goes, was uh, after Sam, I think it was around 1713, 1714, something like that, when he was in wealthy the first time when he met her, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they did conceive a child and she ended up giving as, again, this is all speculation. No one really knows anything about, much about her at all. Uh, so as it goes, she gave birth by herself in a barn and then killed the child so that no one would know about it. But she was found the next morning and arrested for killing the child. It's pretty fucked up. And also, then, it could uh, be possible the child didn't make it because she had birth in a barn in 1700s. Yes. And as you were saying with, you know, let's you know, fuck over these young girls and call them witches. That's probably what happened. And they just, someone found her and said, oh no, she killed it. Right. Uh, so, so they put her in jail. I, I they put her in jail, and uh, uh, they say, because you know, like old school jails, no windows, just bars. You could hear anything. You know, a lot of she was doing a lot of screaming. Like, no, I mean, she was depressed. She's in jail. Her baby just died. All that crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as it goes, the devil appeared to her one night, or as I forget the exact wording, it was um, a man in fine red in black clothing yeah, with a golden cane i think the tail goes yeah yeah yes golden cane good point there um are you okay <laughs> sorry i was trying to mute my mic before i started coughing like an asshole yeah, yeah I'm fine. um and so he he came to her and offered her uh, you know a way out a way for freedom and basically she sold her soul to the devil and became a sea witch to live forever and uh some say off the coast of Wellfleet on certain nights, you can still hear her moaning and crying and that she would use that to kind of lure ships to their doom. And they would meet their end against the rocky shores of Wellfleet, Cape yeah. Cod. So uh, that is the legend of this, uh, the Sea Witch of Billingsgate was the her sea official witch. title. So that was Sam's lady love as far as the legend goes. Yes. And, um, as we turn to his um, now his flagship of his pirate fleet, the Widda, he decides to sail back up that a ways to northern the uh, not the United States no. yet, but the northern colonies of um, the New One World. One more thing I want to mention before we get up back up to towards Cape Cod was on their way back. So he already had the Widda, but he's mm. still in the Jamaica area. Uh, he Bellamy and his crew. Where is this? Oh, yeah. They came across a sloop called the Bonetta. I think I'm saying that right. I'm not sure. And on that crew was uh, one John King with a child who at the time they believe was between 8 and 11. 
they don't really know. And uh, basically, the widow chased the Bonetta for about 15 days before they finally surrendered. And John King, uh, if I can find the quote, I'm not even going to bother trying to find the quote. <laughs> he uh, basically he swore he goes, "I'm going to join that crew." And the, the captain of the Mineta was like, there's no way I'm going to let you do that. He goes, I'm going to do it. I don't care what my mother says. I don't care what my father says. I'm joining that crew. So when Sam Bellamy came on board, John King walked up and said, I'm joining your crew. And he was like, all right, yeah, come on. You can be a powder monkey. And uh, powder monkey was basically, he was basically a bitch boy. You know, when they were in <laughs> battle, and they like, I need more gunpowder. Powder monkey, go get me some fucking powder. And they would just go. And that was his whole job. Yeah, I mean, we, you can't exactly reload shells uh, like you can in artillery nowadays. No. You got to be pouring powder in all 18 to 30 of those cannons to get the back done. And uh, and just like the famous song, the Bonetta was on its way from Antigua to Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take you? Yes, exactly. On Pretty Mama? <laughs> Did they make it to Montego or just Key Largo? Uh, they made it to Kokomo. Get there fast so they can take it slow. <laughs> Uh, and yes, and it was shortly after that that they set sail back up towards uh, what is now Wellfleet. Right on. So then we're off on our way uh, with a new powder monkey, <laughs> a new chip and toe. They make it up to uh, uh, Cape Cod, where um, this is where our story becomes common knowledge to us now. Without, without the ship going through this ordeal, we might never know what the fate of the widow or even what happened to people like Black Sam Bellamy. And so the ship makes it up to uh, the Cape Cod area just off of Wellfleet, which is, as we said, as the legend goes, this is where Mary has been waiting for him. See which or not, this is his love he's come back to. And he decides to sail back up there with a fresh ship full of all that plunder, all that gold and silver the widow had um, and all other cargo, including the other ships coming with him. Uh, the fleet gets separated. And one of them decides to go to Block Island. One of them heads up more towards what we now know as Maine. But the Widow is headed towards Wellfleet when a nor'easter hits. And I believe it's in April of that year. So it's uh, you know, it roughly April 26th of 1717. A little late for, for a, like a winter nor'easter, but also not, not out of question for those of you who aren't, don't live in the area. Um, not that I want to sail in either. I mean, that's just not good news for this guy. Dumb decision absolutely and you know any kind of storm with low visibility especially back then i mean now we have the benefit of gps sonar all kinds of uh you know fail safes to make it sure that your ship never comes up against that rocky shore but back in the time i mean all it took was your sailing knowledge and hopefully the weather clears up that's as good as you can get with actually knowing how close or far you are from the shore and well, unfortunately, i think we i think we all know which head was uh in command that night he was sailing well <laughs> he was thinking with the wrong head i think uh imagine that <laughs> yeah guys <laughs> sorry i didn't get it at first <laughs> takes me a minute but i get it now <laughs> i mean can you imagine you thinking with a dipstick guys thinking with a dipstick about this for a second I mean, to ask your friend to drop you off at some girl's house in the middle of the night, it's already a big ask. But to ask your whole crew to sail up to Cape Cod because years ago, this one chick, I'm sure she still likes me. I mean, that is dedication. 
Yeah, we've all been there. It's just a snowstorm, guys. Just let me drive. It's fine. It's only one in the morning. This I girl. told you we shouldn't have gone here. It'll be fine. It'll be fine, dude. Relax. Yeah, it'll be fine, man. Yeah. Classic, classic example of this shit. Classic example of, of just all this other shit. I mean, I just literally last night watched Days of Heaven, the movie. Same, the whole fucking movie is about this. It's insane. This is what men do. Mm-hmm. The same drive that made him become a great pirate captain is the same thing that led him back to the Cape. Well, not even that. The same drive that made him build a fucking empire of piracy. I mean, literally the most renowned pirate. Of, well, not the most renowned because Blackbeard was a fucking just the, the wealthiest. Though. Blackbeard mm-hmm. was a marketing masterpiece, but like, but the most the wealthiest, most successful pirate, um, who had who who at the time of the story that were coming up had three ships in his fleet. That is one like. The Black Pearl sailed alone, for example. That's only one ship, as far as I'm concerned. That's what I'm saying. That was only one ship. This fucking guy had three. And he and he had he, he over his course of his time had like 50 or 60 something ships that he successfully sank or 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 uh or captured, commandeered. Yeah. Um because of some fucking bitch who didn't want him. I mean, that's probably the story. I don't see me. Wait a minute. Well, no, I don't no, know no, if that's no, part no, of the story. No, no, no. I don't no, know if the didn't want him part is part of the story. Right, that part of the story? He had, he okay, had to prove right. his worth to, his par- to her parents. Her parents wouldn't let them get married, as the story goes. So he Because came back. she was wealthy and he wasn't. Yeah, he was going to come back with, it, with a ship full of gold, you know, from Hispaniola and saying, how about these apples? You know, I got a treasure chest. Am I good enough now, mom and pop? You know? You tell me back then that this guy that that she didn't have some other dude on the side. If if she's good enough for a pirate, she's good enough for a lot of people. I'm sure she had some other dude on the side, so but I don't think that was going, her love go. of her life was Ooh. Sam Bellamy, and her parents forced her to marry some stuffed up Cape Codder douchebag with boat shoes on. I'm sure with a good family drinking Tito's and soda all day long. That's right. This guy was housing Tito's and soda and White Claws. And meanwhile, Sam Bellamy's drinking grog and sinking ships for the glory of his wife and future wife, you'd hope. And meanwhile, uh, as we know from the story, the, the doesn't end up so well for everybody involved. Our boy Sam and the widow are headed back towards the Cape. The nor'easter hits him, and there's only trouble in the future. And uh, the siren song is calling him towards the shoreline, much in the way of the old legends of pirates long past. Do you want to you want to tell the story of the wreck, Dom? Uh, yes, I do. So, as we already said, there was just the one ship. The other two had already split off to their own destinations because only one of them was dumb enough. Ironically, the best sailor of them all. Sailor Moon had to go to go through yes, not to be confused with Sailor Mars. <laughs> um, so, anyways, he's uh, he's sailing through this nor'easter, and uh, they run aground, and they they weren't that. I think they were like only like thirty feet offshore, or something like that. They were pretty close, mm-hmm. which is already a lot closer than you would want to get with a ship that big because you beach it, you're never going to move it again. Yeah. Unless it was low tide and you wait for the high tide to come up. But so they beach it and they go out to an all out panic. And one of the main things about the with a galley, which we haven't mentioned yet, was it had a nice, really nice bell on it, which uh, had an inscription that literally said the will the Witta galley 1716 on it, which is when it was originally commissioned. And uh, they were ringing the bell like crazy, trying to get attention, trying to get anyone that could possibly come help them. Because I mean, Life or death, you don't care if you're a pirate. You're just trying to see if you can get off the ship and survive. Well, Yeah, it doesn't matter what happens to you if you're in Davy Jones' locker. Yeah, The ship ends up sinking 
uh, I believe it was four crew members were able to get to shore. That was it. I believe it was everyone, six, but yeah, six. Everyone yeah. else, uh, has everyone else drowned. Drowned, yeah, yeah. Including Black Sam, right? He didn't make yes, it. Yes, Black Sam. Yeah, did including not make the star it. of his the... powder monkey, John King, did also did not make it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, our, our our star of our show here, uh, Black Sam Bellamy, going back to Wellfleet, didn't actually make it uh, to Wellfleet yeah. after all. What a um, mess! So and all, all that the... treasure, all that treasure, yeah, all never that made treasure it, never gone. made it to shore. So really, most of the all the stories we have about the actual night of the sinking, all came from those four or six men that made it on shore, mm-hmm. which were all arrested for piracy a couple of days later. Yes, exactly right. Uh, so, and that's where the the ship it was there and it was gone for two hundred and fifty ish years until. Uh, yeah, I mean, 19- some of the bodies. Um, sh- uh, I wound up on the shore in the following days as the tides were rolling pieces of the ship, different trinkets and what for. But when they sent their investigators out from uh, the Commonwealth to decide what the hell happened here, that's when they ended up tracking down those, those six men who survived and they brought them into Boston to be tried for piracy. All six of them were convicted of piracy and all six were hanged until dead. And uh, they all died. So like Dom said, the only people who actually knew what happened that night were those six men. So most of what we know from the story comes solely from the accounts of those six men and whether or not they were lying or telling the truth i don't know why they would lie about it at that point but that's all we know um the only thing we can know beyond that is um if anyone ends up finding the shipwreck but as you alluded to many people were looking for this because the the six men who made it alive know how much treasure is on that ship and how much it's worth and if you could just get down to the seafloor and get that money you'd be set for life in order to do that and it so, was okay so i was i was mistaken it wasn't 30 feet offshore it sank 30 feet down mm-hmm. yeah it makes more sense which yeah you, so you couldn't see the ship impossible to get to yeah you couldn't see the ship for it's, many yeah, many yeah. years that makes more sense but um uh, but yeah so they actually hired a cartographer um in order to try to guess where the ship might have sank so that they could go and plunder the depths and because you know it's worth to try to get all that wealth that sunk to the bottom and the cartographer drew out the map of the Cape. And according to the stories of the six sailors, according to the way the tides work and the way that these items are drifting on shore, he guessed the relative location of where the shipwreck might be. Um, I'm not sure, you know, how much they could really get down to the depth at that point. I mean, technology is pretty uh, much once you're down to the depths, you're not getting back. It's a one way trip. I mean, as 30 feet is three yeah. is a three story building. I mean, that's no joke. Um, I've been, uh, I've kayaked over a shipwreck in um, off the coast of Beverly before. And that is probably 20 feet down. And it's like, yeah, you can't swim down that. It's pretty high tide is like not happening with just without technology. Um, And this is the year 1717 when the cartographer did this. Yeah. So he ends up uh, putting that map together. And uh, as Dom alluded to, no one ever found the wreck of the Widow for the next over 200 years because the 1800s no one found it 1900s no one found it it wasn't until 1984 that a marine archaeologist by the name of barry clifford his team decides to go looking for this shipwreck because it's been you know told tales of for long times he actually ends up referring to the map that that cartographer made 200 years earlier and wouldn't you guess it the guy nailed it I mean, it wasn't an exact location, but 200 years earlier, guessing where the shipwreck might be using that map, his team found it. 
And they started diving down and picking up all these different pieces of the ship. And you have to confirm it is indeed the same ship that we're talking about. And one of the best ways to do that is to find the most famous artifact of the wreck, which is the bell that says the Witta Galley, 1716. It's basically like, it's basically like finding a buried body with its dental records. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's one of the best or most accurate pirate wrecks ever found because it has all these tags. It's, it's the only the authenticated pirate wreck off the U.S. coast. There you go. And amongst the, the wreck is, uh, you know, all kinds of pieces of the ship. Uh, the mast still intact. Uh, there's tons of silver and gold found in the wreck along with the, the bell and along with uh, what Dominic mentioned earlier, which is a human femur that ended up being towards um, uh, a child, which they now ascribe to um, the powder monkey himself. I was going to say the monkey boy. But yes, the, the monkey boy. Mm-hmm. Can you say his name again just to give him a little bit of respect? Uh, it was it was John King. John King. Famous powder monkey, who I just uh, saw. When Perhaps I was the most research. famous powder monkey, if I would wager. Mm, I think so. Uh, yeah. The youngest pirate on record, John King. Mm-hmm. And he he wasn't captured and put into work. Like you said, he wanted to be a no, pirate. No, he volunteered. He was, they, they estimate he was about 13 uh, when he drowned. Wow. And even those hundreds of years later, his uh, his bones are still are found and identified as who he is. It's just yeah. wild how it's almost the same as digging up bones in the ground. It's like the ocean is such a wild experience, but shipwrecks are almost like time capsules. And if you can get down there and reach it, you can discover all these wild things. And that's why, uh, as Dom said, it's the largest, uh, the only authenticated pirate finding off the coast of America, but also the biggest find in, in pirate history. I mean, they found actual pirate treasure. I mean, there's many arguments to me what happened to the Spanish Armada, what happened to the gold of Montezuma and all these treasures that might still be out there on, in the ocean floor. Who knows how far out, who knows how deep. But off of the coast of Wellfleet, they found an actual pirate treasure from the Widda and Black Sand Bellamy ship. And you can find it because they didn't get rid of it or sell it. They told everybody about it. Blabbermouse, of course. Now everyone knows you have it. You can't just sell it. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. The guy's a marine archaeologist. What is he going to do? Sell it on eBay? He's going to put it into a museum like it should be. It should be authenticated and shown throughout history. And they actually um, have a museum there today in Yarmouth uh, that commemorates this whole uh, this whole shipwreck and the Witta and Sand himself. I think Dom has actually gone there in, uh, in person and uh, seen the actual bell and the, the treasure of the Witta. I've never gone. Maybe you could um, enlighten us to that, Dom. Uh, yeah, I have been there. It's uh, it's West Yarmouth. It's called the Witta Pirate Museum. It's actually the second Witta Museum. There's one in uh, Providence Town that has a slightly different name. I don't remember what it was. I haven't been to that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first one, but the one in West Yarmouth is the bigger one that has more of the artifacts. And uh, so when Barry Clifford found it, they unearthed over since between 84 and you know, until a couple of weeks ago. Uh, 20,000 artifacts. Wow. Including coins, cannons, handmade weapons, uh, like parts of the ship, the bell. They actually found the oven of the ship. The ship had its own freaking oven, which I've never heard of except for this one. I've never heard of that either. They had silverware and plates and all kinds of stuff down there. Too, yeah. Right? And uh, and the, the the femur of John, I almost said John Wick, John King. <laughs> John um, King. Uh, it's a it's a crazy museum 
right when you walk in, the first thing you see is the bell. And they keep the, a lot of the, st the more delicate stuff they keep in water because it spends so much time. And if you keep it out of it, it'll deteriorate and it'll fall apart. Oh, right. I didn't think of that. Not to mention something mm. with the type of sand that's there and the current and the water pressure, it like encases the stuff in basically cement. Helps so anytime, anytime they get a new artifact up, it goes into a room that you can actually go into in the museum where they use water jets to try to break off or like disintegrate the sand cement without harming the actual artifact itself. They, they can't just like reach in and pull something out when it's good. It's like, it's encased. It's like, it's almost like digging out a fossil. Yeah, you got to okay. go carefully yeah. around it and try not to damage it. Um, but I mean, yeah, in this museum, you, they have a recreation of the ship, like a, a quarter size. You can actually walk through it. That's cool. Mimicking like, well, like we said, there's no captain's quarters, but the, the area is still there. Can walk through that. I mean, they, they have, a, they have one of the cannons off of it and they, with some of the wood still on it and the pieces of the wood that are gone, they recreated with like fresh wood and they have that set there. They, I mean, swords, guns, uh, cloth, documents, and the coins. I mean, I, I have touched gold coins from the wreck of the widow. They have I hope you didn't take one with you because then you become the curse of the black pirate. Uh, no, no, no. It's uh, it's basically it's between two pieces of plexiglass with a hole drilled in it. So you can literally put your finger on it. You can rub it. You kind of move it around a little bit. I'm sure they're not doing right now. Probably not. But uh but yeah i mean it's really cool and uh the most recent development in the thing is uh just what's today this the, the 17th 16th something like that 17th uh just on i think it was the, the third february 3rd they found six more skeletons at the wreck of the widow Holy shit. Who says we're not a current event podcast? This is modern news as well. Uh, and what they're trying to do is they're trying, they're, they're trying to find, because no one has ever, no one knows like where Black Sam Bellamy's corpse is. Yeah, it's assumed he, he's in Davy Jones' locker, the rest of the crew, but they've never identified his skeleton in the way you might identify John King's and understand who it is. Yeah. So what Barry Clifford's team did is they found his ancestors in England who are willing to give up some of their DNA and they are now in the process of testing that against the six skeletons that they found to see if they can identify the actual body of Sam Bellamy. Wouldn't that be great if they found out that they had the actual skeleton of Sam Bellamy? Yeah. That goes up in the museum for sure, right? You oh, yeah, to. for sure. Yeah. Or they could do one of those mummy tours like they did with King Tut where they just like bring him around. They I probably guess. would do that. If, I mean, that? Yeah. you can't just keep it in Yarmouth. You got to tour that thing around. Yeah, it's a real yeah. pirate. It's the most successful pirate in history. You got to bring a thing around town. Hey, frankly, it's a pretty good honor. I mean, if you are that renowned that they just tore your dead body around 300 years later or 2000, 3000 years later, whatever King Tut is. Yeah, I mean, all King Tut was he was he was born. He was a child. They was born a king. He broke his leg and he died. Sam Bellamy was a sailor who became the most successful pirate in history. I mean, if anyone Fuck deserves to go on tour, it's him. And a self-made success story about like some dude who's way ahead of his time as far as inclusiveness and uh, and just democracy, like Dom said, fucking awesome guy for 2021 to like kind of think about, you know, mm -hmm. um, I know people probably disagree with that because he's a pirate and steals things. But 
but he uh, was doing it because slavery is a bunch of fucking bullshit. And um, I think this guy's awesome. He's a hero. Absolutely. So yeah, that's where the legend meets reality, where it was uh, the, the legend of your story, which is what did the sea witch use her siren song to call him back to the shore and crash and kill all his crew? Or was, or was he, he simply, just horny? Or was he just horny? It's true. Yeah. Or him. or was he headed up to the Cape um, not to get laid, but for another reason? I, I'm not sure if we can ever really prove to him. Yeah, to never, probably never know. That. Yeah. I mean, he was headed up that way for sure because the shipwreck was found there, but it's only amongst the legend and historians that we decide that he went there for a Mary at all. Maybe he wasn't there for that reason at all, but yeah. that's for us to decide now. Uh, that's why we talk about shit like this. It's interesting. Another interesting little thing that they have at that museum is, uh, you know, before 1984, tons of people were all constantly looking for the wreck. And uh, at one point in time, uh, JFK was on a scuba dive trip around Wellfleet and he dropped his compass and in the Wyndham Museum, Barry Clifford found they have JFK's scuba diving compass because he was looking for it. <laughs> and he dropped it and they found it. That's historical now, too. The hits just keep on. Barry is like, I want to hire this guy to find my. Let's make uh, it as New England as possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also, so... don't be a horny guy swimming in the ocean in that area because you're probably going to lose something. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be the case. <laughs> And next week, Barry's looking for a, another wreck involved with JFK, and it's a plane that went down. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> went down off this, uh, literally within 30 feet of Nantucket. It's right there. Uh, I think the moral of stories here is don't chase women if you're a man. Um, uh, they may, uh, however, they may give you the strength and the courage to just go out there and build an empire. You still come back to them and then you die right off the shore due to a, uh, uh, a nor'easter and it's a giant fucking mess and it's over. Um, but overall do you, man, you know, be awesome. Do you think same with girls don't chase dudes either. It's not working for anyone. So, um, besides that, um, I just think that it's so cool. Uh, Dom, Dom brought this up 10,000 times, but you know, Go explore your area, whether you live in St. Louis, Wellfleet, Bangor, or LA. I mean, there's a lot of shit that's happened before you, and you may be born and raised there and think it's all innocent. There's a lot of crazy stories. Um, if you go to, um, there's a shipwreck finder on Google. There's only one of them, um, but you can look at all the shipwrecks in your area or in the whole world, and you'll be fucking blown away by how many shipwrecks there are right there. Like the like the Witta, um, like multiple U-boats off the coast of Massachusetts. U-boats. Yeah, and they, they sell maps of all the shipwrecks yeah. on there, so you can see just how there's the insane numbers of shipwrecks. Yeah, because it's... no one goes down there and hauls them out. It's not like a car wreck inside the highway. I mean, when they go down, they just stay there until someone has a reason to pull them up. Yeah, they're incredibly one of the hardest things ever on Earth. It's easier to get to the moon for the most part than pick up a U-boat from thirty thousand feet under. You know, for real. So especially that's a, that's a metal boat. Try try a wooden pirate ship. Good luck. So um, it's just really cool. What's out there? What's under the ocean? I mean, that is that is we've explored more of the moon than we have of the Mariana Trench. You know, is some crazy shit. So overall, it's just it's a really cool story. It's a legit, validated, insane story. Um, that uh, is is just pirates at its essence. And on top of the fact, this dude was like, sounds like he's not that bad. Pretty cool dude, Black Sam. We, we support him. 
he, he goes right into our, our mission of being way ahead of his time mm-hmm. as far as being just didn't see color, didn't see any of that stuff. He's just a pretty sweet guy. So we're all about you, man. So that's my final thoughts. Yeah, I agree 100%. I don't want to put any more on top of that because you, you and Dom put it so well. But uh, yeah, I, I completely concur with what you guys both said. That's just is the way it is. And the, the history is out there. It's, it's fun to see it. And uh, it's a good way to take the legend and reality and put it together into one cool little product where you can find out how the world really was and uh, the oddness of Sam Bellamy. I mean, I honestly didn't know anything about him before this week, um, whether hearing about the pirates um, off the coast of Cape Cod, but I'm really glad that I uh, Dom suggested the topic and we get to learn all about him. So just like every week, uh, the history is stranger than fiction and fiction might be real. Who knows? The only new information in the world that we don't know yet is the history that is yet to be discovered. Ahoy mioi to that. Ahoy mioi to that. So, Dom, I think you got something for us. I do. I do have a little pirate toast. I'm going to try to do this without looking down at my notes to see if I can remember the whole thing. If I don't do it the first time, we're going to try it again. <laughs> we have the power of editing. <laughs> don't you worry. Well, we don't. You do. Well, that uh, the royal we. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> All right. Here we go. I take it from the top. I burped during that one. Level up. I'm just kidding. That toast. all stays in. This this part stays right. in where I say it stays in. Stays in too. So everyone, raise your drink. If the screen will even let you see it. There we go. All right. Plunder with thunder, kill for the thrill. Drink up me hearties till we've had our fill. Raise up your tankards into the sky pirates forever from now till we die fighting together with swords in our hands stealing their wenches and scouring their lands plunder with thunder kill for the thrill drink up me hearties till we've had our fill yar yar got it first try (laughs) that was glorious everyone sip up at home for the pirate booty of it all wonderful fire booty and just give dominic a mega like round of applause he remembered that whole thing and gave an amazing toast that has been three chairs heave ho my friend sheer part you really are truly truly are hundreds of years he shares that with you and with us we thank you thanks for joining us guys that's the dylan and joe basement podcast with our friend and with our guest Dominic Morrow. Thank you, everyone. And we'll see you next week. Be sure to like, comment, follow, insult, take us down, send us to hell, whatever you want. We want it. So please let us know and um, find us on Spotify as well. Thanks to Joe. And we'll see you guys next week. Uh, And you'll see Dominic again. I just spilled so much shit. Later in the, the pod, we'll talk about modern day pirate stories. I forgot I have one. A first hand one. Not a first. Second hand pirate story. Um, Is it the same one you told in the last podcast? I, uh, yep. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good story. <laughs> yep, it is. I it's a very good story. Great Unfortunately, story. you blew your load on Harry Houdini and not pirate. Shit. God, you know, this is one of those type of situations where you can save, you can just save some stuff. It's like when people get Christmas gifts months in advance because they know, like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, this is this will be good for then. 
Yeah. And just for the folks at home, are you mind showing us your, your tattoo that's not a prop? It actually is a tattoo on, on your think, chest. I think the time is now, Dom. Let's, uh, let's bust yeah, this it. was this was the second tattoo I ever got. I was, yeah, I was still 18 at the time. My parents, well, they still don't like it. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. If you have hair and tattoos, oh, 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 this let, is the let podcast Dom to come noise, on. So Dom, bring it a little closer for us. Right, yeah. Let's see oh, I don't know how close Let's I can get. Some get it. Right enough, can you see it? Got tattoo. Yeah. A uh, big shout out to Taylor Weed for doing an incredible job tattooing this thing. On the Irish side, the, the Collinses, we don't really know too much about them, and there was a history of uh, being in the Navy in the early 1800s, so it's a possibility. And they're pretty hardcore, the Collins, so it's, it's possible. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. Joe's a Collins. Yeah, it's hard to say. And for anyone who is out here who isn't part of our family who listens to the podcast, me and Dominic are cousins, even though we don't look that similar. <laughs> our moms are sisters. Yeah, and they don't look that similar. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> During the hours of the podcast. Hey, here's the thing. Funny. It's recording still. Sarge. Sarge. Wait till 10.02 to call Joe. <laughs> Let's go to like 10.01. Just wait. You know what day we do the podcast, man. I think, that, I think that Brent just wants to be on the pod. He just wants to show up. Well, you're here, man. We're calling you out. <laughs> you're on the pod now for all the wrong reasons, you fucking asshole. <laughs> Keep going, Joe. Jeez. All right. But how Dom's do you, toast for, for Christ's how sake. How do you put it on Spotify? 